Please be seated. Two weeks ago, Sage and I were privileged to go to services at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston. It was good to see uh, the Willits there, and Mary White's the same was there, and uh, good to see a representation from here worshipping there that day. They are still mourning the loss of their pastor and eight others of Mother Emmanuel Flock, murdered by a racist who we will probably learn is mentally ill and who had easy access to a gun. The service was much of what we would generally expect from African-American worship, prayers, singing, dancing, preaching, all directed at reminding those present that they are valuable and beloved and calling them to be better than they are and remembering them in one memorable phrase that even when they feel locked in a room, the doors of which are wide open, God is good and great and cares for every one of them. I was reminded of a story that the Methodist Bishop Will Willimon tells. He asked a friend of his who is African-American why their services had to take so long. And this one was two and a half hours, I noticed. And... um, and, and, and his friend said, well, listen, my people get told in a, in a hundred different times every day and every week and thousands of times that they are not worth anything, that they are not valuable, that they don't matter. And it takes at least a couple hours to get their head straight. And, <laughs> and that, that kind of made sense. That kind of worship that we enjoyed at Emmanuel was that kind of ministry, healing and challenging and moving and encouraging and engendering Gratitude and praise. Not my cup of tea on a regular basis, but great worship, great ministry. The sermon was based on the story of Mordecai and Esther. You can look that up afterwards. And it was a riff on the pastor's belief that it is time of the people of Emmanuel to speak up. Speak up when things are wrong. Speak up when someone's child is misbehaving in the grocery store. Speak up by saying grace in restaurants. Speak up when the world says black lives don't matter. Speak up in the face of wrong, whatever the cost. It was a rousing call to action without being too terribly specific about the exact action. And that's all well and good, especially where protest and resistance are concerned. But we need to remember that speaking up, truth-telling, candor in most situations, uh, which is this is really a call for candor and truth-telling, and that that is hard spiritual work for each of us if we're going to engage it. And it's, it's, it's maybe overused these days to call it a spiritual practice, but, that, but in a sense that's what it is, hard spiritual work that, recall, that needs a great deal of finesse. From Ephesians, putting away all falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Truth-telling is hard work, and there are at least a couple of principles in this section of Ephesians that can guide us as we think about it. First, the author gives a lot of attention to the challenge of anger when we are being candid, when we're saying something to another that they probably don't want to hear, but we feel we need to say. Be angry, but do not sin. And put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. When we believe we need to say something difficult for someone else to hear, 
we do well to make sure that we haven't reached the end of our own rope. It's hard work not speaking in anger when we are angry. It is hard work dealing with that anger before we speak. It's easy enough to go in thinking we've dealt with it and then find resistance and then explode. All anger does is lead whoever we are addressing to hunker down into a bunker mentality. Think about when someone's been angry with you. Doesn't it make you want to withdraw and just shut down and get the conversation over with? Because that's what we're inclined to do when we feel we are being attacked. And when someone's angry, that's the feeling. It's not easy, but we have to address our own anger before we are able to truly speak candidly. Second, in this epistle, remember the purpose of addressing neighbors in truth is for building up as there is need so that the wo- your words may give grace to those who hear. So be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. All too often, our first impulse when we want to say something that another doesn't want to hear is that the truth comes out of my need, my hurt, my frustration, my anger. Instead, when we hear that it's time for us to speak up, speak the truth to our neighbors, we might try beginning with the other. Hold the other in prayer. Remember what we know of his or her story, recalling if we know it, her hurts, his challenges. And then, and only then, inviting the other to hear whatever it is that we have to say. Candor or truth-telling can really be of value only when the other knows that he is deeply cared about. Think about when someone said something difficult to you and how hard it is to hear sometimes that word of truth. The neighbor must know that he or she is beloved to us. Our friend Ed Bacon, rector of All Saints Pasadena, recalls a televised debate about whether and how President Obama has been accountable to and responsive to the African-American agenda to the poor in this country. And he remembered how Al Sharpton, the preacher, defended the president's record while Cornell West, the professor, felt that Obama had not done nearly enough to improve the lives of the poor and had focused instead on the elite. The debate between these two long-time social activists and friends became quite heated and there was finger-pointing, but they constantly called each other brother. West saying at one point about Sharpton, I loved this brother when he was on the outside and I love him now he's on the inside because he has a television platform uh, referring to Sharpton's new status. And in the midst of raised voices and finger-pointing, they constantly reminded each other and everyone watching and listening that their candid conversation was between longtime and beloved friends who disagreed profoundly about their topic. And differing perspectives are not the be-all and end-all of relationships that are founded in love and founded in respect and therefore can be for the building up of the community. Try remembering a time when someone told you something you didn't want to hear And then think about whether and how that person stayed with you as you worked through your own response, anger, disappointment, shame, guilt, until you began to see some value and hear some value in whatever was said to you. 
The speaking was the easy part. The graceful, life-giving part was the love expressed in hanging in there while we worked through our own stuff. In a sense, that friend was offering us living bread, the kind of food that endures for life. It was life-giving. So when it's time to speak up for the people of Mother Emmanuel or for any of us, please, God, may we do it in ways that build up and minister the gospel in the world. When Jesus calls himself the bread of life and says, this is the bread that gives life, this is my flesh, this is me, I think about what we do here, and I, I do think the elements of bread and wine are important. Don't get me wrong. But when Jesus says, do this for the remembrance of me, I think he's talking about the whole action. The hearing, the responding, the praying, the breaking, the offering, uh, the being restored, and, 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 the, and the telling of truth, the hearing of truth, all that goes on and is being enacted as we tell and remember and enact the story around the table, all of that is what we're asked to take out when we go into the world. And when we go into the world in love, we are offering real food, real bread, life, in the name of God. And we do that as ministers of grace. And we will be ministers of grace if first we deal with our anger. And second, remember the other. Love the other. And then the spiritual practice of speaking truth. What difficult conversation have you been avoiding or feeling that you're not yet ready to engage? Because most of us have one. If you don't have something right now that you need to be saying to someone, then rejoice and give thanks. Your turn will come. (laughs) But if you do, in our time of silence, continue as we continue our response to the gospel, I invite you to allow some challenging relationship to come to mind and then pray for the other. Remember him or her before God. Remember that he or she is as beloved as you are. And then just see what happens, what unfolds for you in the days to come. And may it be a blessing. So putting away all falsehood, let us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Let us respond to the gospel as ever in silence and in prayer.